The reading for today is in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 9 to 19. But the Lord God called the man, What are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, Because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be, be, will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's really nice to be with you. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Paul. I'm, I'm the rector here. It's great to be with you. We're gonna, what we're going to do for the next little while is just look at that Bible passage that we had read. It's part of a series that we've been working our way through in um, the book of Genesis and looking at the opening chapters uh, of Genesis. And um, Sarah has talked to us about the, the blame game that happened uh, in the first, first part of that uh, passage. Um, uh, Genesis 3... Um, uh, and I'm gonna, uh, we're going to focus particularly on the second half of it now, the, the judgments that God um, gives out when he talks uh, to uh, the snake, the woman, and the man. Um, so from verse uh, 14 onwards, that's where our focus will be. For the past few weeks, uh, for those who haven't been with us, we've been trying to set out the, the picture of Genesis uh, and what it portrays about the world. And if I can kind of Picture it like this. Um, It's a set of relationships. Really, the whole sphere of our existence is captured in Genesis 1 and 2. And it portrays us in a series of relationships, in a relationship with God. Humans are presented in relationship with God. They're in relationship with each other. Um, As we've uh, heard them uh, talked about as male and female, God creating them male and female. And in relationship with the earth, the world that we're uh, made to be a part of. Uh, uh, to look after. And we've called it foundations. These are, if you like, the foundations, foundational relationships that make up who we are um, and our experience of the world. And what I want to show you this morning, if I can, is how 
The Bible tells us all three of these are fractured and broken. We've seen the foundations and all three are fractured. We'll have three judgments that God speaks and they each speak into these different areas and I'll, I'll talk about them as uh, spiritual, um, so our relationship with God, relational, our relationship with each other and between men and women, um, and physical, our relationship with the earth. And you can sum them up in, that, in, in those ways. And it's really talking about the whole sphere of our existence is fractured. That's the Bible's um, story. And I want to be as clear as I can be. What I'm going to try and do is lay out that big picture for us from here. But I know as well that there are some specific questions that people have with these verses along the way. And so I'm going to try and address um, some of those. And I'm aware too that we might be coming from quite different places. And if you're here today and you're not um, really normally in church or you're... Um, Every week we have lots of visitors, or you're kind of investigating the Christian faith, or really don't think much of God at all. Can I say to you, this is trying to give us an account of reality, as it is. And I wonder if if you're willing to come with me for a bit, um, and to go with me to say, is this, is this, does this, do you recognize this experience, actually, in your own life? What it's saying life will be like, do you recognize that? Does it make sense to you? So the first of these three, physical, relational, and and, uh, spiritual, uh, relational, and physical, the first of them is that the spiritual realm is frustrated. Our relationship with God, the spiritual realm. Now, it comes in the words that he says to the snake. So the Lord God said to the snake. Now, if you don't know, the snake, had, uh, we were pictured in Genesis uh, 3 earlier last week. The snake comes into the garden, and through the snake, he brings uh, the downfall, if you like, of, of, of everything that's been good. Um, as he tempts them uh, and they eat. And he says, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this isn't just a, it's not a just so story. Um, uh, So how the snake lost its legs. That's not what it's telling us. In fact, what it's trying to say is that movement, the way that the, the snake crawls, he's kind of saying, actually, now that crawling that you do has a symbolic significance. It's now part of the judgment on you, your humiliation, if you like. You brought evil into my good garden, and now here is the judgment on you. You will crawl all the days of your life. Um, and then he says in verse 15, I'm going to put enmity between uh, the human offspring and the snake's offspring. Now, enmity, if you don't know that word, it's hostility. There's going to be a struggle, a hostility, a battle between human offspring and the snake's um, offspring. Now, again, this isn't just that humans won't like snakes. If you're somebody who doesn't like snakes and just, you know, recalls from them, it's not saying that. It's that there's going to be this spiritual struggle for humanity. Humanity is now going to be in this, this battle between, uh, uh, the, the struggle between humanity's offspring, forever, if you like, going on, and, and Satan and the force of evil um, that he brought into the garden. There's going to be this battle in the soul of humanity uh, for who, uh, who we are. And what it's really talking about then is that this spiritual relationship that they had with God is broken and fractured. They had begun in wonderful harmony and relationship with God. He'd made them. He was their creator. They were to, to exist and enjoy and to know him. And they no longer have that anymore. There's now going to be this breakage. Um, they were made in his image. 
Uh, Genesis 1 had told us they were made in, uh, we were made in the image of God, um, man and female, he created them, men and women made in his image, but now that image is broken and marred. Sin has come in. Something that the snake, uh, which as uh, Tim told us last week, um, Satan possessing this snake or in the form of this snake had come in and has now infected and tainted and spoiled and stained everything in their lives, and their relationship with God is no longer what it was. And it means that they now have this tension, this struggle. They are in the image of God. We all are. We're made in God's image. Beautiful, wonderful. We can do amazing things, and yet we are capable of terrible, terrible things. And we've been infected and stained by the snake, if you like. And this this struggle and this battle that goes on, it's saying the relationship, the good relationship that we had with God is now fractured, and is no longer what it was. And just think for a moment, we can see this, can't we, in the world around us. It doesn't take much to think about this. Actually, if you think about the idea that we are, we are still yet somehow glorious and in God's image, and somehow yet tainted and fallen, and you see it everywhere. So even if you've been watching the news in Ukraine uh, in the past while, we can see our humanity's capability, our, our ability to to create terrible evil and injustice. And perhaps you've watched that as the news has unfolded. And yet at the same time, you've seen in that same unfolding story our ability to do amazing, heroic, noble, sacrificial things. Humanity can do both of these things. And if you, if you sort of look at the world and go, how is it we can do wonderful, uh, uh, glorious things and yet also commit such horror and evil, it is here. In the image of God, we we were created, and yet it is now marred and stained, and there is this battle in the soul of humanity. And I wonder if we see it in ourselves as well. I often say, you know, why, why am I not the person spiritually that I would want to be? Well, I, in some sense, no, it's a sense we're capable of it, and yet it's not my experience all the time. How is it those two things are intentional? The Bible says, look here now tainted and stained by sin and evil, and yet holding those two things together. So our spiritual realm has been frustrated. It's no longer um, uh, what it was. The relational realm has been frustrated, that horizontal uh, line between uh, humanity and between men and women. um, It comes in the words that he says to the woman. So to the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, there's an immediate focus here, topic, um, childbearing, and the pain of childbearing. And what we're seeing, what, what's happening here is there is a frustration of one of the great things that God had told them in Genesis that they were to do. They were to go and fill the earth, people the earth, spread out across the globe. And one of those great instructions here is now frustrated and more difficult So there's a pain literally in childbirth, a pain in being able to have children, to people the earth and to fill it. But I wonder as well if there's a a pain in the total experience related to children. If you're somebody who knows the story of Genesis, you'll know that actually a lot of Genesis will spend its time looking at the agony and difficulty of having family. And then actually there are people who struggle to conceive and have children, Sarah being one. Uh, There are women who die in childbirth, Rachel being one. The experience, the total experience of trying to fill the earth now is much more difficult and much more painful. And it goes together with 
a breakdown in relationships and a breakdown in the marriage relationship uh, that they have. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Their marriage relationship is fractured as well. Now, how exactly is that? Now, for those of you um, who kind of ponder these things and know, that the, the phrase, uh, it says of the woman, your desire will be for your husband. That desire for, what does that mean? Desire for, it, it's, it's actually a very, very difficult thing to translate. It's a very tricky one. Is it, we're, often, we're basically asking, is it a positive thing or is it a negative thing? The desire for your husband, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, let me give you an example. The, um, uh, uh, the UK um, ESV Bible, if you happen to know that, um, will we'll, uh, tell you that, that it puts it as your desire will be for your husband, a positive thing, and then it will tell you in the footnotes, it will say, or um, it might be against your husband, a negative thing. Um, the US ESV puts it that it's a negative thing and says your desire will be against your husband, and then it has a footnote and says, or... Maybe for your husband. It's very difficult verse to translate. Um, to complicate matters, um, it only appears in two other places in the Hebrew literature, and one of them is positive, and one of them is negative. <laughs> okay, from my own view, um, I take it as a positive. I think it is saying the woman is, he's saying to the woman, "Look, your desire, your, uh, you're going to want your husband to be in your corner." You're going to want your husband to be for you. You're going to want your husband to support and encourage you, and it's not going to happen. Um, why do I take that as positive? Well, hold, hang with me for a second. Where we're going to see it's a good desire, part of uh, filling the earth. It's a good desire that is then going to be frustrated. And it parallels what's coming with the man. In just a moment, we'll see. There is a good desire to, to work the earth, to subdue it, and it too is going to be frustrated. There's a pattern with them. And I take it that that is, therefore, a good desire. She's going to want uh, her husband to be in her corner. What is his response then? So what, uh, he says, he will rule over you. Again, is that positive or negative? It's very difficult to, uh, uh, to translate again, unfortunately. Given that I take her desire for her husband to be a good thing, I take it his response is a negative one. It's part of the judgment. It's part of the frustration. So he will rule over you. So you're gonna, uh, it, it means that he will be like a tyrant over her. So the point I, th- I think it's making here is she's going to want her husband to be in her corner. She's going to want her husband to be supporting and encouraging and, and helping her. And the impulse of her husband is going to be to rule and to dominate. It's part of the judgment that is uh, described here. But if, you're, if you've kind of held it together with me, or if you haven't, the overall picture it's talking about is the dysfunction of those marriage relationships, the dysfunction of the relationships between the sexes. And that, I think, isn't that hard to recognize in our own world again. We have a distorted set of relationships between the sexes. How, you know, we've been through a number of years and are, are still working out a world of me too, We've been through over a number of years and are still working out a number of years of church too. And what are the dysfunctions that we have seen in those relationships? And actually, relational breakdown of that kind. Relational breakdown exists somewhere down here in your gut, I think. If you're somebody this morning who has come and, uh, you know, you may well have come and you're, to be honest, pretty struggling largely to hear 
anything I'm saying or make sense of anything uh, that's happening. Because if, you, if you've come and you know that relational breakdown is what's going on, it's down here. It actually dominates everything. It's very hard for it not to. It's part of how we're made and why. That kind of relational breakdown just uh, is the lens through which we see everything. Sin has fractured and broken those male-female relationships. Now, if that is something that you want to think a little bit more about, um, can I encourage you to come back tonight? We are going to start a series of uh, sessions just thinking about men and women and how they relate. We're going to try and unpack some of this and how we, how we understand this and wh- where we have come from ourselves um, in this. That is the relational realm. Um, the spiritual realm is frustrated. The relational realm is frustrated. The physical realm is frustrated. The man's judgment then comes to, the, to Adam. He said, because you've listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat all the days of your life. It'll produce thorns and thistles for you, and you, you'll eat uh, plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. Uh, since from it you were taken... For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Um, now, just let me. Uh, uh, I'm aware that this often raises a question. He comes and talks to the man and says, you know, because you've done this, because you've listened to your wife, i.e., you haven't listened to me. Um, it often raises the question for some does the order here matter for our understanding of relationships between men and women? Um, now, it's possible, if you were with us last week when we looked at the, um, uh, the events of the fall and uh, the serpent, you may have heard that, or you may know that story from the Bible and think, well, the Bible basically says it was all the woman's fault. Now, that's not what Tim said last week, by the way, <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to it. But sometimes we have that sense that the Bible must just be saying it was all the woman's fault. But God here, as he comes and addresses Adam... Uh, which he does in verse 9 and here again in verse 16. I think he's sh- it's showing that God thinks Adam bears responsibility as well for what has happened. He was there, and he bears responsibility as well. I don't think Genesis makes much more of it than that. Um, I don't think Genesis makes much more of it than that. We may want to, uh, if we want to sort of try and give it more emphasis than that, we have to notice as well that... There is a, 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 there's an order that God judges them in. He judges the snake, and then the woman, and then the man. And there is an order of responsibility in that as well. So you'd have to hold those two intentions. So you can try and lean on it one way or another, but I don't think you can as much as often we would want to. The Bible does go on to say in the New Testament that there is a responsibility that Adam has as a representative of humanity uh, that is really important for the Bible's understanding of salvation. Um, You can look at that in Romans 5 if you want to go and and, and look at that more. So he does say there is a responsibility that Adam has as a representative of humanity. But I think it's important that we don't overread what's here, nor ignore what is here. Okay. The pattern is the same. Um, uh, When he says, uh, so there's there's a... uh, uh, one of the, the great commissions that uh, they were given was to, f- uh, to subdue the earth, to rule over it. And again, that pattern is frustrated. And we, we, I guess we're talking about the sphere of work we're often um, uh, focused on. Um, what, is, what you can notice, in particular in these verses, is that five times eating is mentioned. Why is that? Five times God mentions eating. Um, and uh, there's now... Uh, it's part of the judgment. And if you like, you could put it this way. There's now going to be a struggle in everything it takes 
to put food on the table. Um, it's, uh, it's not saying work is a punishment. Okay, this is quite important. Work was there before, but it is saying the task of physical living in this world is now harder than it was. And the word for painful toil that um, he's going to uh, work, um, uh, that painful toil, it's the same word as the, the woman's pain in childbirth. Now, some of you may dispute that, but that's what it says here. Um, but that, the whole impulse is he was there, he was going to work the ground, they were to work the ground and uh, subdue it, and now it fights back against them with thorns and with thistles. It resists um, and instead of being able to relate to the earth in a, in, a, in a good way, he's estranged from the soil, and it doesn't do what he wants. And instead of actually being subdued by him, the soil will ultimately swallow him up, because he will die. It wasn't meant uh, in that way, but there's this reversal. But overall, the point is this, that, it's that there's a frustration in subduing the earth. The, the commission that they had to go and subdue the earth, there's a frustration in that. And again, I think this can help us make sense of the world that we have, and particularly the moment that we have at this point. Do you ever think this might help explain why we have driven our climate to such extremes? We try and subdue the earth, yet now infected and tainted and sinful, we do it in ways that are sinful. We do it in ways that don't work, and so we, we, we do it because we want more from it and because we're greedy, and so it resists and so we find that we are reaping what we have sowed in our climates. So the spiritual, uh, the relational, the physical. I just want to zoom out for a moment um, because there's one other big question that people ask and that this raises. Is this bit of Genesis, is it telling us that women are to be focused on childbirth and men are to be focused on work? All the big questions today. I think if you ask somebody in an ancient Near Eastern context when this was written, they would think you were strange for asking them. I think they would think you were odd. Why are you asking that question? When you raised a household and the home, you raised people and a family to work together. In a farming community... You raised your children to be workers. They would come alongside and work. Uh, and these, this twin role of filling and subduing the earth went together. It wasn't really until the Industrial Revolution that we split those two up. Uh, and people then went off to work somewhere else, and the home was somewhere different. And because we've got short memories, we, we kind of can't imagine there's anything different to that. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? If you think about the past two years and the pandemic, what is one of the things that we have talked an awful lot about? Working from home. We have suddenly, those two spheres have come back into relationship again. Not for everyone, I know. There are challenges to it. Uh, we're not all farmers, I imagine. But those two spheres have come back in our thinking. 
It's kind of interesting to watch that happen. What it's talking about, I think, it's, I just, they wouldn't have understood the, the question almost. It's getting at the totality of shared human experience. They were to fill and to subdue the earth, to fill and to work. They would have done that together. If you think through the scriptures, and my mind often goes to the book of Ruth, where you see that happening as the, uh, as the, um, in the communities that they had, the agricultural community. You see men and women who were working side by side to do this out of the homesteads, if you like, to use that phrase. And consider, in a way, the judgments that come, uh, one given to the woman and one given to the man, they both apply to both of them. The judgment on filling the earth, the, the pain of childbirth, that applies just as much, in one sense, to men as it does to women, because, as you know well, it takes both to fill and uh, populate the earth. You can't do it without both. And the judgment that comes in the form of death, that is spoken to the man, that to, to dust you will um, uh, return... That affects women just as much as it does men, as we all know. It's not as though they were exclusive judgments made. But I wonder if you can just see, to, to, to kind of take it in its entirety then, this uh, uh, spiritual, relational, physical fracture. Here is the total experience of life. And each one of those, our relationship with God is now fractured, marred, broken. Our relationship with each other, Male and female is now fractured and marred and broken. Our relationship with the earth is now fractured and marred. And I realize that is pretty sobering. Um, it's not got a lot of you know, exciting good news in it. And yet I wonder if wherever we're coming from today, and whatever our experience or our understanding or our sense of God or not, I wonder if that makes us go, huh, yeah, that's kind of the world we're in. That kind of explains a lot. And so often I find if you're not somebody who knows, uh, would say you know much about God, that moment can be a useful stepping stone to beginning to understand God and to think about him. The frustrations that come, they all yet somehow have grace in them. They are, if you can see it this way, they are also reminders of how we want the world to be. That actually we're made for a relationship with God. They remind us that we're made to know our God in a way that is happy and good, where we're beloved and known. We're made for a relationship with one another, between the sexes that are mutually beneficial and encouraging and supportive. We're made to live in harmony with the earth, the world, and to enjoy its wonder and its beauty and its fullness. And the Bible story is saying, look, those yearnings that you have, they're there because the world is as it is in its fallen way, and you know that it's meant to be something else. And the first hint of what will come, as Sarah mentioned earlier, is there in verse 15. It says, there will come one day, there will come from your offspring, the woman's offspring, there will come this one, this human, who will crush the serpent's head. And it's the first glimmer of good news. It's the first sign of hope that a man will come, a human will come, who's, who can live in perfect relationship with God and know him and delight in him and follow him. A man who, who can live in relationship with women in, in a way that isn't one of domination, but is one of uh, harmony and encouraging and enabling. A man whose control of the earth is nothing short of miraculous, who at his voice the wind and the waves move, who at his hands the food that we need comes forth in abundance. There will come this one, this human, and that person is Jesus Christ. Humanity being rewritten in him, fractures being healed 
in him and our world being remade in him.